SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome everybody into another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. I am your host as always, Brian Stone, joined by a special co-host this week, uh, Georgia, or uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Texas State writer for Underdog Dynasty, Vidal Espinoza. Say hello to everybody at home. Hey, everyone at home. <laughs> <laughs> Short, sweet, and to the point. I like it. Uh so we're going to get into breaking down these week nine games uh, from the Sun Belt. Uh, I think the, the best way to do it is just in as uh, chronological order. Uh, so getting into this week nine contest from last Thursday, uh, Georgia Southern, my team, uh, was able to come out with a 24 to 17 win uh, over South Alabama at home. Um, you know, just from my perspective as a Georgia Southern fan, you know, I, I didn't really think they were going to be able to pull this game out. I mean, things look pretty dire about halfway through here. Um, I was I was looking at the uh, the highlights, the replays, um, and I I think they did pretty well. I think they held their own. Uh, the rushing attack, which of course is their bread and butter, uh, I thought was impressive. Um, I was really impressed with uh, Wesley Kennedy. Um, he uh, he had about he had 91 yards, a couple touchdowns, and a reception. Uh, but I think all around, I think the I think the rushing attack really did well. South Alabama kind of hung in there, um, but I, I was impressed with Georgia Southern. I was imp- impressed with them. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a real grind for both teams uh, at certain points on offense there. Um, you know, I guess credit to both defenses, but there was there was a part in that game where it seemed like both teams offensively were just kind of stuck in the mud. Um, you know, South Alabama's offensive line had a hard time protecting uh, their quarterback Desmond Trotter, mm-hmm. uh, who played well overall and and probably deserved to win the game. You know, if he Let's see. He was sacked five times Mm -hmm. in total. So, I mean, if your offensive line gives you any sort of time, I mean, he was pressured all night. So if their offensive line plays just a little better and, and, uh, you know, kind of holds off some of that pressure from Georgia Southern's front seven, I think that South Alabama wins this game. Now, like you said, uh, a lot of it was due to Wesley Kennedy. Um, I'm not sure if you were aware of this. Uh, This was kind of like a Georgia Southern only fan thing. But uh, apparently when Georgia Southern lost to Coastal last week, Mm -hmm. uh, Kennedy got on Twitter and was subtweeting the offensive coordinator uh, by uh, retweeting a bunch of people saying he needed more touches. Um, This is only the, I believe, the third time all season he's had more than 10 carries. Uh, and they are, you know, small sample size. They're three and zero in those three games. So maybe there's a little correlation there. But from a Georgia Southern fans' perspective, our offensive coordinator has has been kind of the bane of our existence essentially the, this season, and even kind of stretch it back to last year, just because this offense should be way better than it is most weeks, and they're just they just have no consistency, which is which is what's tough to make it uh, tough to watch this offense. Yeah, I w- the you could see things kind of change when when uh, Georgia Southern uh, scored those fourteen unanswered points in the fourth. Uh, you could see something. 
I get, yeah. I mean, Wesley Kennedy, uh, just looking at him running, he has, you know, great vision, speed, and most of all, he has patience to, to read the, the holes in his offensive line. And, uh, yeah, that fourth quarter, once they got things rolling, I mean, like you said, it's a, it's a, you know, a fan thing about the, you know, the, the tweets and the, the offensive coordinator being the bane of, of Southern's existence. Uh, it was, I, without knowing that, that whole background, I was, the running game looked great towards the end. Well, the beginning and the end, once they got it rolling, uh, yeah. And then also the, the South Alabama defense just couldn't stop the run. But then again, if you're running all that, you know, all night like that, eventually the defense does get worn down, no matter how good the defense is. If they're letting, you know, runs of four and five yards a pop get it, you know, allowing that, the defense is just going to get worn out. And that's just plain and simple. Yeah, I, I mean, Georgia Southern this season, when they have been successful and, you know, the two games they haven't been have been, you know, the biggest games that they honestly needed to win to kind of stay in contention for the Sunbelt East. Uh, you know, when they have been successful, they've they've kind of done what you've said. Uh, you know, they, they really like to lull teams to sleep, kind of, but it's not in a way of, like, they can't be explosive. It's just, like, a lot of between-the-tackles grinding for almost three quarters and then something finally pops and then then kind of the floodgates open well i think the main thing was they were able to get kennedy the ball a lot of different ways in this game uh like you said you know 13 carries uh for 91 yards and two scores also had a catch you know they they were doing a good job as well getting him the ball between the tackles as well as outside you know primarily he's used as kind of a home run outside threat when they run that um, uh, option sweep type play. And, uh, you know, that was the big difference in this one is they actually let him carry the ball between the tackles, which he's not a huge guy, but he's slippery. He can get through some holes and stuff. So I don't know why it took them, you know, six games essentially for this season for to finally give him the ball, you know, it, between the tackles. But, you know, he made the most of it. Uh, they scored, you know, 14 unanswered. Like you said, Kennedy had both touchdowns to kind of put the capper on this one. Um, Desmond Trotter, you know, overall, like I said, played fairly well, 20 of 27 uh, for 200 yards and two scores. They actually had a shot at the end of the game here to tie it. Uh, and I believe it was like a fourth and six. He threw a ball to the end zone that looked like Kawan Baker, their receiver, had caught it. And as he was kind of you know, securing the catch, Georgia Southern's corner, uh, Derek Canteen, I believe it was, just swatted it out of his hands. And that was pretty much the game. But, I mean, South Alabama overall, I felt like, did play well enough to win. They just, they they didn't do a great job protecting Trotter, which was a huge issue. Um, and then, you know, they just struggled to stop the run for Georgia Southern. And that's, that's kind of a key for uh, success if you're going to beat the Eagles. Yeah, the uh, offensive line, it seems... Uh with all these these games that we're going to go over including the uh the the previews the offensive line it seems like whoever's got the best offensive line is going to, i mean it's going to win i mean i know that's a no-brainer but uh especially in in the sun belt um where you got you you have a lot of uh potent running attacks and you have a lot of uh aggressive uh blitzing defenses if you don't have a good offensive line it's just not going to work out and and 
Georgia Southern's offensive line, I, I thought, did did really well. And uh, South Alabama's just kind of collapsed. Like you said, five sacks. It, that's not going to win you any games. Um, and as efficient as Trotter was, it just wasn't enough. It almost was. But South Alabama's just one of those teams that uh, they seem to become a thorn in your side at points. Um, but it was a good game from Georgia Southern, you know, winners win. So, yeah. I mean, you know, there are times and, and, you know, like when they played Tulane and had a very winnable game, South Alabama did. There's almost times where I don't know if it's because their team is so young overall, but they just, they're almost a thorn in their own side. You know what I mean? It's like, if, if they're going to, if they're going to take the next step and I mean, they're three and three, they're already, you know, a better football team than they were last year. I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from them, but if they're really going to try to make a, take a step and at least be, you know, the, the number two team in the West, let's say um, they're going to have to learn to be consistent and also kind of close teams out uh, when they have the chance. And they really haven't shown the ability to do that when they play, you know, higher level competition overall. So, um, but yeah, wrapping that game up, Georgia Southern moves to four and two uh, on the season, two and two in the Sun Belt. South Alabama drops to three and three, and uh, two and one drops their first Sun Belt game of the year. Uh, the next game, uh, first Saturday game, I, I don't know how much there even is to really say about this, but we'll go over it anyway. Uh, Coastal Carolina stays undefeated by absolutely pounding Georgia State by a 51-0 margin. I'm going to tell you right now, Vidal, I I didn't see this coming at all. I thought Georgia State was going to be at least a little frisky, a little competitive. Yeah, I thought so too. Uh, I was keeping up with the scores, and when I saw that, I was completely shocked. So I went back and watched the highlights of it, and yeah, they they just looked like they were – outmatched i mean coastal carolina has been doing such a good job this year but yeah i i honestly thought they were gonna give the chance of clears a little bit more of a game but yeah woof, that was a that was that was a blowout that was that's a rough one yeah um you know going through georgia state season i this was kind of the case last year i don't really know what to make of this team And I say that because, you know, they play Louisiana in the opener Uh, due to COVID. I believe their first two games were uh, canceled. Uh, So they they started basically week three for everybody else. Um, So, you know, they play Louisiana in the opener. Keep it close against the team that, you know, finished second in the Sun Belt last year. Lose by three. I believe it's in overtime, you know, and then the rest of the season, like they beat Troy last week. You know, and and it's like Troy's not a not a, you know a pushover by any stretch of the imagination. They lose to Arkansas State, they beat Troy, and then they just get absolutely smoked by Coastal. So I don't know what it was that changed before this game. I don't know if Coastal felt like they were getting disrespected or whatever, but I mean, fifty-one to zero. I didn't think that these teams were that far apart. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm looking at their schedule right now, and I mean, they of course they beat Troy. Uh, only a seven-point loss to Arkansas State at Arkansas State. They beat East Carolina and a close loss to uh, the Raging Cajuns. But I'm just looking at pure stats, and they're 
their offense just kind of, I guess Coastal just shut them down. Uh, they, I mean, they didn't even, they barely got over a hundred yards of total offense where they were ripping off, you know, 485, 583, uh, 379 in the win against Troy of total offense. But in this, this game, only 106 yards of total offense, 2.7 yards of play. And, and they're, I mean, they're, yeah, that's, defense, that's really tough. The defense <laughs> gave up 530 yards of total offense. Um, but you know, they gave, they gave up 609 in the seven point loss to Arkansas state, but it was that offense that, you know, the, the coastal defense just shut them down. They couldn't do anything. It looked like they were, you know, like they hadn't even studied the plays or I don't know, practiced at all. And that's what it looked like to me. I'm sure that's not the case, but that's, it just made it look, you know, the coastal defense just made them look like they didn't know what they were doing. Well, and, and that's kind of been the thing with Georgia State is, you know, they were good last year uh, when their quarterback Ellington at the time, you know, was uh, was healthy. And then he tore his ACL and they tried to run him out there on a torn ACL and have him play the last couple games of the year. I, I mean, this has kind of been the issue with Georgia State is they're so inconsistent because their their entire team is just predicated on scoring a ton of points mm-hmm. because – they don't play a lot of defense. I mean, you know, even the games that they win or the games that they lose rather, I mean, a lot of them are 34, 31, you know, Arkansas state, you know, they lose 59, 52, the games that they win, you know, they have to score at least, you know, the two games they've won, they've scored at least 36 points. Um, And, you know, I just don't, I don't, I don't think long-term that that's a winning formula for a football team at all at any level but in the Sun Belt when you've got all these offenses that are really high powered I mean I'm sorry like you can't just be offense only I mean the the teams that we've seen that proven you can't do that are the uh, Arkansas states of the world you know even Troy you know like we said Troy lost to to Georgia State earlier you you can't just be all offense and then say ah we'll just let the other team score and hope we get one stop and, and we went in a shootout every week. Like, that's just not, you just can't do that. Yeah. That's yeah. That, that almost never works. Uh, and I mean, but, uh, but credit to coastal Carolina, they were very efficient on offense. They outgained, uh, they outgained, uh, Georgia state, uh, five times as much yardage, five thirty to one Oh six, Time of possession was ridiculous. Coastal Carolina had uh, the ball for four, over 41 minutes. Georgia State just under 19 minutes. And Coastal used 10 different rushers and three different quarterbacks. I guess they wanted to play everybody. Crazy. But they were they were efficient on all levels. None of the runners or quarterbacks played any worse than the person before them. Yeah, that, that's the crazy part is is just how many different ways, you know, Coastal can just run whoever out there and, and do this. You know, Grayson McCall um, wasn't wasn't able to go against the uh, Georgia Southern, but they still, you know, Coastal was still able to pick up a, a 28-14 win over Georgia Southern a couple weeks ago. You know, maybe this was him, you know, kind of staking his claim and saying, I, no, I'm the guy here, you know, 18-24, 254 four touchdowns also ran for a touchdown i mean i mean 
again, we, we don't have to go deep into this game because there's not a whole lot to say. I mean, Georgia State, like you said, outgained five to one yardage wise, but you know, a, a crazy impressive performance by Coastal putting down a Georgia State team that had, you know, at least given some Sunbelt teams issues, if not beaten them outright. And and to just smoke them for fifty one to zero is is very impressive. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. And the for the longest time in the Sunbelt, the, the the higher tiered teams have always been, you know, Arkansas State and Troy and Appalachian State. But it's it's one of those years where it just seems like everyone, mostly everyone, is very good in the Sun Belt. If you look at the Sun Belt standings, there's not a clear winner even if, or a clear leader, even though Coastal Carolina is undefeated. You know, one conference loss could, you know, just mix up the whole Sun Belt championship race. And and everyone's playing. Mostly everyone is playing good ball and just coastal right now is just uh just seems to be far and away the the best team in the sun belt right now yeah absolutely you know that that contest on uh, november 21st where coastal welcomes app uh app state to uh conway is going to be a must watch even if you're not a fan of either of those teams if you're invested at all in sun belt football like I feel like you have to watch that game, (laughs) you know, that, that, that game, you know, provided coastal doesn't drop another conference game between now and then that's going to determine who goes to the, the, the Sunbelt East uh, half of the, the Sunbelt title game. So, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see how that ends up. You know, coastal has been a machine this year app has been, kind of ebbs and flows a little bit you know they don't really look like the same app team of old uh the last couple years um so we'll have to see how it goes but either way uh coastal in this one moves to six and oh they stay undefeated in the Sun Belt as well at four and oh georgia state drops to two and three and one and three in the Sun Belt. um in, in a game that was uh you know a year ago was one of those big shootout contests uh, Troy pretty much just drubs Arkansas State. Um, you know, Arkansas State has had issues on defense all year. Uh, they fired Blake Anderson, fired their defensive coordinator like the day after uh, they beat Georgia State a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, kind of old demons coming back to haunt them with their defense. Uh, they lose thirty-eight to ten to Troy. You know, what did you kind of see looking over this game? Well, I was more focused on the Arkansas State offense i think they had way too many empty possessions uh they were really inconsistent uh they're running that two quarterback system with logan bonner and lane hatcher uh combined they only threw for 271 yards and a touchdown on 49 attempts uh bonner's average was only 3.6 yards an attempt which is uh it is not that's not good at all that's not going to score you points but they're defense couldn't stop Troy it was just uh, one of those games where they had him beat in all when Troy had him beat in all phases of the game and it <laughs> like like I said earlier Arkansas State is you know they can still be one of those you know premier teams in the Sun Belt but they just didn't look like it that night so I, I wanted to get your take on this and this isn't even this isn't even a question specifically about Arkansas State. How do you 
how do you feel about teams like Arkansas State that run out two different quarterbacks and have them play, you know, an even number of snaps? How do you feel about that? Um, unless, unless you're a a really elite team that, like an Alabama or a Clemson or someone like that, and you're playing a lower level team, or you're playing a, an FCS team, and you and you run those quarterbacks out as a you know, as a proven ground to see who, who you want to be starting the rest of the season. Uh, that's fine. But I think in a case like this, I've just never been a big fan. I've never, I've never been a big fan of, of pulling quarterbacks in and out or having dual quarterbacks. Um, it almost never works out either at the college or professional level. And it, I, I don't like it to be honest. And I'm, I haven't dug too deep into Arkansas State's reasoning behind that, but it just seems really inefficient. It just seems like you don't have a confidence in one guy. Uh, unless one guy is like a gunslinger and the other guy is just a pure, you know, runner or something like that, where you're using him in trick plays or in certain packages, but I don't really see the point of it. And neither one of them lit up the scoreboard or the stat sheet. And combined they were like i said they were 28 for 49 271 and a touchdown they didn't even get to 50 percent completion rate not a great average mm-hmm. per attempt so i don't know if they're i don't know if that's the reason why they just don't have a clear uh i guess front runner or starter and so they're just throwing both of them out there but i think you got to leave one guy in let him get his feet wet whoever you think is going to have the best chance to win or produce the most put him out there, let him get his feet wet. Uh, I would have had a different perspective on the offense if only one of these guys was starting because then you could pinpoint the problem or see their strengths or weaknesses. But you, I, you didn't see him long enough to play, you know, to get a grasp on, on their style or game or whatever. And I, yeah, I don't, I don't like it myself. Yeah. So you know, Matt, who usually does the show with me, and I have, have gone back and forth about this a, a couple of times. I I think the weirdest thing, and, and it's weird in that it, it kind of uh, justifies Blake Anderson's decision to do it a little bit, is that these two guys' numbers, when you compare them side by side, are almost identical. And I guess, I guess it's just a, a thing of, you know, you have two guys, they put up identical numbers, you just can't choose. But I do agree with you. It kind of breaks up the flow and doesn't let anybody really get into a rhythm when you're constantly switching them out. But, I mean, to to look at their numbers today as they stand, you know, Hatcher and Bonner, their completion percentage is almost identical within one tenth of a point. I mean, it's 61.2 to 61.3 completion percentage. Uh, Both team, both guys have thrown 11 touchdowns. Uh, Bonner has thrown one more interception. Uh, than Hatcher has. I mean, you know, whatever. I guess I guess they're committed to doing it at this point. You know, there there's seven games in the books. There's no point in stopping now, I guess. But it's just been strange to watch all year. Um, on Troy's side, though, I do want to commend uh, backup quarterback Jacob Free steps in for Gunnar Watson, their normal starter, who was injured in this one. Threw for 419 yards, two touchdowns. 
you know, they, they didn't have to run the ball very much when you throw for 400 so, yards. So, you know, credit, credit Detroit for having a guy that can step in and just get it done. Yeah, he did a great job. He he uh, made the passes he was supposed to. He was uh, accurate, efficient, and he filled the he filled the quarterback spot very well when he had to. Um, that's a case where you have where you can plug and play a quarterback into a system, and and the guy will be just as efficient as the as the starter and yeah he's he's my player of the game i know we're not doing player of the games but i was really impressed with him uh yeah i mean i i i have to give credit to troy like as a whole program because i you know you can't give credit to chip Lindsay because this is only year two but you know, I feel like even going back to when Neil Brown was the coach, they've been pretty much blessed at the uh, quarterback position. Um, it seems like even when one guy goes down, someone identical steps in and just does the exact same thing. You know, it, it was Caleb Barker last year kind of did the same thing with Gunnar Watson. Gunnar Watson goes out, Jacob Free comes in. These guys are all interchangeable, but it's got to be such a luxury to know that you've got a bunch of different quarterbacks that can all roughly do, you know, the same things. So, you know, credit to Troy. They were able to come away with the win in this one. They had four receivers with at least 60 yards uh, receiving in this one and uh, three catches or more between all four guys. So, again, uh, this one was a shootout last year, and this year it's a four-touchdown deficit. So, credit mm-hmm. to Troy. So in this one, Troy moves to four and two and two and one in Sunbelt play. Arkansas State drops to three and four and one and three in Sunbelt play. Um, You know, moving on a game that no one was surprised to see uh, App State win. Uh, They defeat a 0-7 now uh, UL Monroe team that, uh, I mean, there's not a better way to say it. They seem like a lot they seem like they're lost most weeks and i know that they were a little bit more competitive against georgia southern probably could have won that game uh but i mean the other six games of their season they've been almost non-competitive yeah they they seem really like they have no identity uh there's no consistency or rhythm with them um i mean app state is a tough opponent for anybody in the sun belt but yeah, it's it. They just haven't been. They just haven't been uh, consistent at all, and wasn't shocked with the score at all. Um, App State did really well on both sides of the ball, uh, and yeah, I was I was I was not impressed with Monroe at all. Do you want me to put in perspective how non-competitive Monroe has been this sure, year? Sure, but just. I'll just give you a stat. Okay. okay. Georgia Southern game, they lost by five points, mm-hmm. right? 35-30 was the final score. Their second smallest loss in margin was this game against App State at 18 points. That's the second smallest losing margin they've had all wow. year. Every other every other game, other than the five-point loss to Georgia Southern, has been 18 points or more, and they're 0-7. Yeah, that's... That's unfortunately the mark of a of a team that's really really struggling, and uh, it's yeah they I could I couldn't tell you anything about 
Monroe that stands out. Uh, that's like a marquee position or player or side of the ball just because they haven't done well on either side of the ball this year. Um, it's unfortunate, but, you know, such as the way of the Sun Belt. Yeah, so they had uh, the last couple years, you know, their quarterback uh, was Caleb Evans. Uh, he moved on uh, after graduating uh, last year. Um, so like you said, they really don't have an identity without Evans. You know, they have a pocket passer who's not super mobile, but also not very efficient with his with his throwing um, in Colby suits. Uh, and then they just can't they flat can't run the ball. Um, you know, most weeks their leading rusher will have like 40 or fewer yards. Um so, I mean, when you play a team like App, and again, no one was surprised to see the final score here uh, go in App's favor. App had two guys go over 100 yards rushing. Neither of them had more than 13 carries in this game. Um, so, I mean, it, this is kind of what App does. They just, when they have lesser teams like this, they're fairly conservative. You know, they only threw the ball 18 times. They just pound the rock and play defense, and that's kind of what they did in this one. And um, again, I mean, no one was surprised to see the final score, but, you know, again, credit to app. They took care of business. Um, yeah, they did what they do, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were uh, there's no need to uh, to uh, make a big gamble on offense, any uh, trick plays or bombs or anything like that. Just just straight up run the ball and be as efficient as possible. And if you can get away with that and still win by double digits, then that's a good day. I'm very interested uh, because App has kind of been doing this all year. Uh, the one big game where they're in the Sun Belt, rather, that their <clears throat> offense really exploded was uh, two weeks ago as, against Arkansas State. And as we've kind of established, Arkansas State doesn't have the best defense. Um, I'm interested to see what happens when they get into some of these tougher games on their schedule. You know, they have to play Coastal. They still have to play Louisiana. Um, they have to play us, Georgia Southern, at the end of the year. And we're, we always, for some reason, are able, you know, no matter what our record is, to give them trouble. So, I, I mean, I'm interested to see how – because they're not going to just be able to pound the rock and, and play defense, presumably, against those three teams. They're going to have to do something different and mix it up and give one of these teams something they haven't seen before. But – you know, their final four games of the season are pretty tough at Coastal, home against Troy and Louisiana, and at Georgia Southern. So we'll we'll have to see how App uh, kind of handles this once they get into the, the meat of their schedule. Yeah, that's a that's a tough four-game schedule right there, especially all those teams are so varied in the way they play that, yeah, you can't – you got to have an answer for everything that you're going to come across. Like you said, you can't just pound the ball, be conservative. you got to – you have to take some shots. You're going to have to buckle down on defense, and uh, it, it's going to be interesting. The, the, this home stretch of the Sun Belt is going to be very, very interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. I have a feeling there's going to be a few surprises and and uh, a lot of good games down the stretch. For sure. Um, so in this game, App moves to four and one overall, two and zero oh in Sunbelt play. Uh, UL Monroe, like we mentioned, zero oh and seven, and now zero oh and four in conference play. Um, so getting into uh, at least on ESPN.com, uh, the final game of the night last Saturday. Uh, you know, with you being the Texas State guy, I'm interested to get your thoughts on a couple of things. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so, you know, Louisiana, uh, defeats, uh, defeats Texas State, Texas State uh, 44-34. Um, but I will say, um, you know, what are your thoughts on Texas State this year? I mean, Matt and I, when we've talked about them, you know, we've been pretty surprised uh, as to they just look better than they did last year. You know, the, the wins haven't exactly been there. Um, but overall, I mean, outside of a few games, you know, BYU being the overall uh, outlier, they've been fairly competitive in these games that they've played all year. So, I mean, what has been your kind of take on Texas State this year? Well, they've. I think this is the best team they've had in uh, probably about five or six years. Uh, it's kind of been dragging on. It's been a constant rebuilding process. Uh, this year, of course, like you said, a lot of competitive games that they could have or should have won. Uh, the Boston College game, the UTSA game, even against SMU, they had a shot. Um, their, their defense is a little bit better, but the last four games they've lost by double digits, and their defense is just completely just gone flat at times there's a uh, the the offense their offensive line uh still needs improvement and uh they still have they had some quarterback problems at the beginning with the with the whole covid testing thing uh brady mcbride their uh, transfer from memphis he's got talent but he's a little erratic but the i think the bulk of texas state's problems have been on defense there's a I, I don't know why they're having them play the, the secondary play so soft on the coverage where they're allowing these uh, these passes that go five yards past the line of scrimmage, uh, leaving room to run. Uh, I would much rather them just play an aggressive defense. If they get burned on the outside, they get burned by a long pass, I'd rather take that chance than just keep giving up these little dump-offs or these slant routes or these you know, these short yardage, uh, high completion plays. Uh, but that seems to be the, the big problem with Texas state. In my opinion, everyone's focusing on the quarterback and he's young and he's got a lot of, you know, experience that he he has a lot of inexperience. He has a lot of room to learn and grow, but defense, I've just, I've just been not impressed with the defense at all outside of those first four games. Of course, the BYU game, yeah, no one's going to no one's going to fault him for that uh, for that loss, but it it just hasn't looked good for the defense the last few games and they're just getting gassed out there. There's time of possessions just all off and yeah, that's that's but that's just the the tip of the iceberg. I can go on a whole podcast about it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I wanted to get your take on this as well. Um, you know, Matt and I have, have, uh, not been super plugged in obviously to Texas state, like as a program, what is your take on the, the quarterback position overall? I mean, I know you mentioned McBride can be erratic at times, but you know, Vit kind of had that continuity a little bit coming, uh, back from last year. And I felt like in the games that he played with, McBride out he played fairly well do you have a preference as to which one of these guys plays or, or would you just defer kind of to the coaching staff to make that decision um 
honestly, in the last few games, I'd rather see Vit. Vit's a much more... Uh, he's a much more... Uh, He's not necessarily a pocket quarterback. He'll go. He'll take off and run, but he'll go through his progressions and he'll find the receiver. Uh, the difference between McBride and Vitt is McBride pulls the trigger and he just goes ahead with it, whereas Vitt tends to hesitate a little, little bit and sometimes it the coverage uh, will catch up to the receiver or uh, the offensive line. Like I said, is not is is uh, beefed up as it can be. So if he takes. If it takes too much time, uh, the line can't hold that long, and he'll end up taking the sack or rush a pass or anything like that. But I, uh, I, I'll defer to the coaching staff on their choice. I mean, what we see in the game is not what you see in practice. They, they must see something in McBride that we don't see. There must be some other intangible that we don't, you know, that we don't see outside of practice. Uh, but I do like McBride's. Uh, his his gunslinging way sometimes it gets a little erratic and it's very frustrating. But he does make that he does pull the trigger when he needs to instead of just waiting around and hesitating. Uh, but sometimes that's his downfall. Yeah. So in this one, you know, although you know uh, Louisiana finished with almost twice as many yards as Texas State did, you know. To, to play within 10 points of a, a team like Louisiana, you know, I feel like is fairly impressive and you've probably got to be, you know, you may not be happy with the way that their defense decides to line up, but overall the results bear out that they're much more in these games than they have been uh, in the past. So, I mean, going back and looking over this game after, you know, having, uh, having watched it, you know, Levi Lewis, uh, obviously, you know, threw for 332 yards, um, which is not ideal for Texas State because Louisiana is primarily a running football team. But overall, you know, how did you feel about the way that Texas State played in this game? And and what were kind of your expectations coming into this year? Because Matt and I, when we did our preview, we had a couple Texas State fans on Twitter say that we weren't being fair and that Texas State was going to be better overall. Now, again, the wins and losses have kind of bared out what we originally said, but the way that Texas State's playing, they're much more competitive. So, you know, you know, how did you, how feel, did you feel about the way they, they were playing Louisiana, and how do you feel about the way that they've just been playing overall this season? Well, in the game against Louisiana, I was impressed that they they didn't, give up they found ways to try to score uh i honestly got to the i I went to the game and i got to it uh after the the game had started i think there was maybe 11 or 12 minutes left in the first quarter but louisiana was already up 14 to 0 and i was like well how did that happen it was turnovers but texas state clawed their way back uh there was a uh they had a uh, fake field goal at the uh, in the first quarter where the uh where the uh, kicker uh, ran it in himself. Uh, Louisiana had a couple of turnovers early on, uh, allowed Texas State to get back in the game, had a 21 to 14 lead. Uh, they were, they, they found ways to try to score. They tried to find ways to, to get back in it, but it's only, they're not as deep as they should be. And there's only so many gimmicks and, and trick plays and, and, relying on the turnovers uh 
where you got to make your own opportunities. Yep. Um, but I think for the first three and a half, three and three quarters of the game, uh, Texas State did. They, they were hanging in there, especially against Louisiana. They're a very good team. Uh, I think they were, I believe, a 17-point underdog or something like that. Was I, I wasn't shocked or surprised. Um, but they kept up with them on offense for a bit. Uh, Louisiana's just got a great offense, and it's hard for anyone to stop them, uh, regardless if it's Texas State or not. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, what was the second question, the expectations for Texas State? Well, uh, you know, how do you feel overall about this team uh, as it as it kind of stands today? And, you know, coming into this year, what were your kind of expectations for Texas State? Because, like I said, you know, Matt and I had, had got a couple of uh, tweets from Texas State fans saying, you know, when we did our preview, we weren't being fair uh, and we weren't giving them the credit and they were going to be better. And like I said, the the wins and losses haven't been there. You know, the wins haven't been there, but the way that they've lost has been much more impressive than what they did last year. So overall, like, what were kind of your expectations coming in and how have they kind of either exceeded those or not lived up to them? Well, I was coming into the season kind of thinking the way that they're playing now is kind of how I felt they would, uh, you know, minus, of course, the win-loss column. Uh, But I they got a lot of transfers uh in the off season uh they're they had a very young team to begin with uh, you know another year older uh i think they're start they're they're trying to find an identity and they're also trying to gel as a team and i think that there's a lot of promise there uh next year is going to be a real big make or break season for Jake Spavital up in Texas State and I think they have the talent. I, they need a little bit more depth, but I think that I think they're on the right path. Uh, hopefully, they can gain some momentum in the in the last few games of the of the season. You know, make up some grounds in the win column and kind of get some confidence going into the off season and getting ready for twenty twenty one. But you know, a lot of Texas State fans, they all had the same optimism at the beginning of the year. And uh, even though the record doesn't show it, I think that they should still have confidence in the team. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, this, you know, a lot of people are upset with the uh, administration and all that stuff. But as far as the team itself, I think they're on the right path from what, what, what they have. And hopefully they can make something happen. Uh, in the next few games, next year, and beyond. Absolutely. So uh, going over this game, uh, Louisiana uh, moves to 5-1 and one overall, 3-1 and one in the Sun Belt. Uh, Texas State drops to 1-7 and seven and 1-3 and in Sun Belt play. Um, so getting into this weekend's slate of games, uh, let's start at the the 12 o'clock games. Uh, UL Monroe travels to Atlanta uh, to take on Georgia State. You know, although Georgia State did not look good against Coastal Carolina, uh, Louisiana Monroe is a much, much easier task. You know, how do you see this game playing out? Personally, I think Georgia State wins uh, big, and, you know, they're, they're 18 and a half point favorites in this one. That kind of bears it out, but... 
you know, do you see any chance for UL Monroe to pull an upset? Um, I don't think so. Uh, Georgia State is a 21-point favorite, and I think that's about accurate. Um, the only way that uh, Monroe is going to have a chance is if they can get their running game going and create some turnovers. Uh, Georgia State does lead the Sun Belt in turnovers committed. Uh, and so that I think that's that's Monroe's best chance. And uh, but uh, I, but Georgia State, I think they'll I think they'll uh, win big in this one. Uh, I don't really see anything that pops off pops out of the the highlights or the the stats or anything like that that I can see that uh, that Monroe is going to pull it off. It's going to be a clear day, seventies. You know, it's I, there's no weather nothing else that I don't know that could affect the game. So I, I have Georgia state winning big in this one. Yeah. I think Georgia state wins big in this one. I don't, I, you all Monroe, like we've said, just kind of seems lost. Um, you know, I've watched them play and of course, you know, Georgia Southern who, uh, you know, I root for made them look like they were better than they were. But other than that, they've kind of seemed just like they don't really have a plan going from game to game. Um, you know, and, and Colby suits has really kind of struggled this year. So I, I think Georgia state wins this one big. Uh, again, there's not a whole lot to dig into here with a, with a, a winless UL Monroe team that it would be lucky to win two, one or two games at the end of this season. Um, the other noon kick, uh, this one could get a little interesting just from, you know, a points perspective. Arkansas State travels uh, to Lafayette to take on Louisiana. Uh, Louisiana, as it sits right now, is a two-touchdown favorite at 14. Um, you know, I just don't see a way that Arkansas State beats Louisiana unless they f- find a defense. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know where they would find it. Uh, I don't feel like it's currently on their roster, but... I don't know what happened to the team that beat Kansas State earlier in the year, but that defense has not shown up again since. Yeah, Arkansas State, they're allowing 179.7 rushing yards a game, and Louisiana is racking up 194 rushing yards a game. I think that's going to be the factor. Uh, they're going to they have, you know, two 1000-yard rushers on their team, Louisiana does. Uh, and I think that they're going to exploit that um, and I think the 14 point difference, I, I think it'll be, I think it'll be a little closer, but I think it may be because in the end, Arkansas state may rack up some garbage time points, but I, I got to give it to Louisiana. They look, they look pretty good in this matchup. Um, yeah. And that's, that's, that's my, that's my, my choice of Louisiana there. I think, uh, personally, I, I believe Arkansas State's probably going to have to score at least 34 points in this one to kind of give themselves a shot. Um, you know, Louisiana can score too, uh, you know, as, as kind of has been the case for the last couple years. But with Arkansas State not playing a whole lot of defense, they're going to have to hit maybe the 35, 34 point mark in order to even kind of give themselves a shot. I mean, they're not going to you know, gut out a game defensively with a team like Louisiana. They're going to have to get into a shootout and hope that they have the ball last. 
in a close game. So, uh, I mean, I have Louisiana winning this one. Um, I, you know, overall, I'd probably I'd probably take Louisiana in the fourteen. I think that they'll probably win this game fairly comfortably. Uh, just the way that Arkansas State's defense, like you said, the stat that you gave, there's not a whole lot there to to kind of hang your hat on. So I think Louisiana wins this one big. Um, so getting into the only one o'clock game on Saturday, Troy comes to Statesboro to take on Georgia Southern. Uh, Troy, the uh, road team, a three point favorite, which is a little surprising to see for a team that's got teams that have identical records at this point in the year. But it's kind of behind the numbers a little bit if you watch georgia southern you see that they play both up and down to competition um i I don't know which quarterback is going to be able to go uh for troy i don't know if it's going to be uh gunner watson or jacob free um but i think troy has kind of figured out georgia southern's achilles heel which is their pass defense and uh the last couple years they've really given georgia southern a lot of problems through the air so I think Troy wins overall. Uh, I don't know about the betting line because it is fairly close, but I think Troy does end up winning this game. Yeah, I think it's going to be a. I think this is going to be the closest game of of all the Sun Belt games this weekend. Um, they, it's going to be one of those things where the the strong points of each team are going to come out. I think, uh, I think Troy, like you said. Uh, as far as I've seen, Gunnar Watson is still out as of today, so that means Jacob Free will probably be starting unless there's some sort of change of, event, of events. Um, but I think this is going to be a, a really close game. The last three games, or Troy is on a three-game winning streak and have won by an average of 19 points. But I think this game will be a lot closer. I think it'll be a, uh, a really exciting game. And honestly, I think this is going to be the game of the week for the Sun Belt. Um, I have to give the slight edge to Troy, but I'm not counting Georgia Southern out. I think there could be some surprises, and uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't have a clear, even though I'm leaning towards Troy, I don't have a clear, you know, winner in this one. Right. Um, I, I mean, I think personally, as a Georgia Southern fan, it, their chances of winning come down to if their offensive coordinator decides to be aggressive or not. Um, being too conservative has been a problem for him in the past. Um, you know, he was he got out a little bit of his shell uh, last week when they played South Alabama, but we'll have to see uh, what they end up going with uh, when they face off against Troy in a in a game that'll pretty much decide any chance of. Uh, competing for the Sunbelt East this year. You know, obviously a lot of things have to break your way uh, to to get to the uh, Sunbelt Championship game at this stage. But if they if they have three losses, there's almost no way that they uh, can find a way to jump Coastal. I don't I don't think that there's I, I think that their season's pretty much over at that point within the conference. But uh, moving to the three o'clock game, uh, App visits San Marcos to take on your Texas State Bobcats. App is a 17 and a half point favorite. I, I think Texas State could pull what they did last week and keep this game, you know, within 10 points or so. I mean, if App is going to go hyper conservative again and not really try to throw the ball a whole lot, I mean, I could see Texas State scoring some touchdowns late. I mean, I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, App State always is always one of those games on the schedule where I'm just, as far as. Uh, as a fan, 
I'm just not excited about it because they're a very tough team last year. They did play them very well for the first three quarters, um, and that game was on the road. Uh, but I could, I can, I can see that that what you're saying. I can see that happening. Um, uh, the constant thing every week is Jake Spavital doesn't reveal who's going to be the starter at quarterback this week. Uh, more than likely, it's going to be Brady McBride. Um, but it's going to be it's going to be one of those tough games where it's going to have to be like the Louisiana game where Texas State's going to have to rely on the turnovers uh, from App State to have a chance in this because I think they're a, a really powerful team and the only way that they're going to have a chance is to catch them off guard or App State shoots themselves in the foot that sort of thing. You know, I, I think the thing that would give Texas State a real shot in this game is if they just were able to force Zach Thomas to throw the ball. Um, you know, in the in the games that they've actually been really good at, I mean, you know, they've not really asked him to do a whole lot. Um, they've kept his pass attempts pretty low overall this year. Um, you know, I can't really pinpoint a single game uh, that they that he's played in where he's had to really put the team on his back a whole lot. Um, you know, going back to the Marshall game that they lost 17 to seven, he threw the ball 38 times. Um, since then, he has not thrown the ball more than 23 times in a game. So I, I think that's going to be the key to, uh, you know, if Texas State wants to try to pull an upset or at least keep this game you know, in the ballpark, I think what they're going to have to do is force Zach Thomas to throw the ball somehow. You know, they're going to have to find a way to shut down App's uh, run game. So I will say, we'll, we'll see how it ends up going, but, uh, you know, it's possible. Yeah, I'll, I will say also the, the other factor that they need to, that Texas State, for them to win, the thing that they need to do, which they haven't been doing recently, and I don't know why, is, is the abandonment of the running game. Uh, they have Brock Sturgis and Calvin Hill, who are very good running backs. They're averaging over five yards a carry, eight touchdowns combined. They both have over 400 yards. I think they need to get this running game going and controlling the clock because uh, their defense does give up a lot of points, a lot of yards, and they need to control this game from the outset, and they need to get that running game started. And that's the other factor, I think, as far as Texas State pulling off the upset. Yeah, I mean, Brock Sturgis has been, you know, very effective this year uh, for Texas State. He's been a really good, uh, I believe he was a transfer in from Iowa State. Uh, but, you know, 467 yards this year, five touchdowns. Uh, as a team, you know, Texas State is only running at this point. And I say only, but, yeah, with, you know, with the with the number of running teams in the Sun Belt, they're only running for 144 yards per game. Yeah, I mean... You know, if, if what you said is true and you want to cut down on Brady McBride's potential mistakes uh, and turnovers that could really shoot them in the foot, yeah, lean on the run game. Try to take possessions away from App and really shorten the game as much as possible because you know App wants to do that to you. They want to run the ball, take time off the clock, and play defense. So, you know, maybe maybe beat them to the punch. I I don't know. The The only team that they, they've lost to this year in Marshall, Marshall's defense is just really good and and that's kind of what gave app trouble in that one um but moving into the last game of the night the eight o'clock kick south alabama travels to conway uh to take on coastal carolina uh coastal an 18 point favorite in this one 
uh, really tough to pick against Coastal, even with the 18, when, once you've seen what they did to Georgia State last week. I will say that I think this game will be a lot closer. Uh, so, I mean... Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be a lot... No, no. How do you see this game going? Oh, I, I see it as... I think it'll be closer uh, than the, the last Coastal Carolina game where you said you thought it was... You know, the 51-0, to zero, uh, you know, blowout wasn't what you were expecting. I think this is the game that kind of you were expecting for the last game. I think it won't be as big of a of a win for Coastal. I think it'll be a lot closer. I think South Alabama is going to play them uh, a little bit better. Um, but I think Coastal will still pull it out. Uh, the one thing I've been impressed with, with Coastal Carolina is their offensive line. Uh, when I was watching the highlights of the the last game, their offensive line was just just really really good, and uh, especially their left guard. And I probably I'm probably gonna slaughter this name. His uh, Antoine Loper. Uh, I was just watching him the whole time, and and the left guard was just he was just amazing. He was pulling people off. He was you know making the holes protection. And I think that that is the, I think that's their, uh, I guess it hasn't been that much of a focus with coastal Carolinas that offensive line. And it's a very important part of course, of any team. Uh, but as far as the expectations for the game, I think coastal will pull it out. It won't be as close. It won't be as big of a blowout as it was last week, but I think it'll be close. Okay. All right. Um, so wrapping up here, uh, give us give us one thing that you're looking for this weekend or one game maybe you're keying in on and then tell folks where they can find you on social media. Well, of course, I'm excited about the Texas State game against App, but I think the the, the game that's going to be the best is going to be Georgia Southern versus Troy. I think it's – I don't know which way it's going to go. Um, I think it's going to be an exciting game. It's going to be close, and I think that's going to be the game of the week. Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Vidal underscore Espinoza, um, uh, or you can check out uh, our Underdog Dynasty uh, Twitter account, see any of my stories or anyone else's uh, recaps and previews and other stories as well. And uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you can always find me on Twitter at WatchTheStone. Uh, we will be back next week uh, to recap these week 10 of Sunbelt games, and we'll get a look towards the future. But thanks for joining me today. Oh, of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. It was pretty fun. It's been my first uh, underdog podcast, I think, since like episode four or five or something like that. <laughs> so it's 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 fun to do these. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, been, so it's, been, yeah, it's fun to do these. and. Uh, yeah, it was great. It was great being on. All right. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We will be back with another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. Podcast.